Welcome to the Tuesday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we are in Matthew 8 through 11, and man, is this good stuff. Today we get to see Jesus at work. You know, he's just delivered the Sermon on the Mount, and people are like, who is this man? So now he's going to walk around and reveal the truth of what he's just taught, which is huge. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, how can I believe in something I can't see? Man, you can see him and the things he does. And, you know, I've been witness to it. I'll share some of that throughout this thing today. But, man, this is good stuff. So today we got three what four chapters and you know one of the greatest things about a faith we'll just call it that and a lot of people their faith is made sight today and i talked about that a little sunday at our church on compassion church and in homestead church our brick and mortar building but One of the coolest things about faith is when it is made sight, when you believe what you hope for to the point it really happens. And Jesus helps people see that come to being today because they believe in the one. And I, I taught a Bible class last week at one of the Christian schools here. And that was it. You know, we were talking about what about what's the works you have to do as a Christian? And they they were all about it. They were telling me stuff. And I thought, man, that's really good. But I said, look at John 9. And we looked in John 9, and I had him look it up. And I said, Jesus said, the only works the Father wants from you is that you believe in the one he sent. And so Jesus rewards that today. And my I just got a message, my battery's gonna die. So <laughs> I hope my iPad stays up long enough. So let's get to it. First in Matthew eight, there's a man with leprosy and he approaches Jesus with this. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. So the question posed was not, can you? It's if you're willing, you can. It was never a question if Jesus could or not. It's just if you're willing, you can. Because here's the thing. The leper knew that if Jesus was to be around him, In their day, leprosy made you unclean. And for Jesus, who is clean, 
because he's sin free. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. And this man knew it was to be around him. It could potentially make him unclean. So what the leper is saying is, if you're willing to be close enough to make me whole again, because, you know, he's like, maybe he's got to touch me. Maybe he's got to do something. And Jesus said, I am willing. See, that's the confident assurance of what we hope for will be manifested before us. Hebrews 11, 1. And so <laughs> Jesus said, I am willing. And so what he does is he blows the man's mind because the man thinks, you know, he, he's probably trying to figure out how's he going to heal me? You know, how many times do we ask God to do something for us and we have no idea how he's going to do it and we speculate on how God might do it? That's the whole thing about a miracle. We don't know how he's going to do it. But if we trust in God and believe that he's going to do it, then we just got to believe it's going to come in some way, fashion, or form that we have no idea. And here's how Jesus blew this man's mind. He just speaks it. Be healed. And so the guy's leprosy is gone. It disappeared, and he's healed right then, right there. I think that's cool. I think that's the coolest thing ever. So the same thing happens in the next miracle. There's like 10 miracles in these chapters. The preface said nine, but there's actually 10. And, and a Roman officer says his young servant's laying in bed paralyzed in terrible pain. So I'm thinking if he's paralyzed, the pain must be where he's not paralyzed because when you're paralyzed, you don't feel the pain. But anyway, it's like... Jesus says, okay, I'll come and heal him. But the, here's another thing of real faith. He says, no, you don't have to come heal him. Just say the word because I'm of authority, and I know if I say the word, they do what I sell them to do. And Jesus is like, man, what faith. And he says, okay, go home. He's healed. And when he goes home, he's healed. And I think that's cool. That's just really, really neat. All right? And so Jesus goes around and it shifts for a bit, a little bit to generality of how he's healing all these people and he casts out demons and he heals the sick. And Matthew just points out how this is yet again fulfillment of the Old Testament where the prophet says he took our sickness and removed our disease. But then Jesus talks about, hey, to have this kind of faith you got to be willing to follow me. And so some guys offer to follow him, but then they figure out it costs more than they can handle. So then Jesus does this other miracle. He tells the guys, hey, let's go across the lake, and the lake begins to get all stormy. And while it's stormy, he goes, Jesus is sleeping below deck, and I don't know, maybe they're not calling this a miracle, but Jesus comes and calms the sea. To me, that's a miracle because we sometimes need that miracle in our lives where Jesus will just calm the storm inside, whatever's going on in our life, you know. And, and I just prayed with somebody for their day because, yes, this early, because they they have situations in their day that are just really stormy. And while God doesn't 
take us out of the storm. He can calm the storm. And when I was praying it, you know, I could sense that the Lord was bringing a sense of calm over the situation with the individual. And so that is just really cool. So remember, while you're in the storm, God is in it with you. Jesus is there. And if we just put all of our fears in him, he can not only calm the storm, but cast out the fears too. And so when they get across, the lake gets calm, they get across, and when they get across, they're met with what Matthew describes as two demon-possessed men. Now, what I'm going to tell you is Matthew shows two, when we get to some other gospels, the same story will change somewhat. But they're in the Gadarenes, and these guys are people that nobody can handle, so they put them in the cemetery and they leave them there, they're they are there because they're outcasts. And so they get there and they're they cut themselves, they can't they break shackles and they're demon possessed and the demons speak out and and they know that he's the son of God and they ask why are you interfering with us and they're like don't cast us out if you are going going to cast us out can you just put us in those pigs over there and jesus said all right go (laughs) and you know you got to be careful what you ask for really you do you you got to be careful in bargaining with the lord so they go into those pigs and when they go into the pigs guess what happens yeah the pigs all race down a hill because i mean it's like trying to get away from a swarm of bees, right? They go down the hill and into a lake and drowned. Yeah. So one way or another, Jesus got rid of those demons. So the town people see this. They're all overwhelmed. And they're more overwhelmed with not the fact that these two guys are now normal, but that they lost all their herd. So they tell everybody in town, hey, man, Jesus did this, and now we don't have any pigs left. So they go and tell Jesus, can you just leave? Because <laughs> they're like, something really radical happened with these guys, but we now we don't have any pigs. So, And Matthew kind of accentuates that because it leaves it at that. I'm going to tell you, when we get to some other Gospels, it takes a little different turn. So we get to Matthew 9, and Matthew 9, we get to another miracle where these friends have a paralyzed buddy, and they bring him to Jesus, and they put him before Jesus. And here's what's really cool. They put their friend before Jesus, and again, we'll see this in a different format with some other Gospels later. And Jesus, seeing the faith of the friends, tells the paralyzed friend, be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. And he tells them that, 
in a healing fashion because the the theory was that for someone to be afflicted by such a a bad disease from birth, it was probably because someone had sinned along the way in their family, and he's that way because of the sins of his parents or somebody. And so he heals him of his sins. And so, of course, the Pharisees are like, who is this man that can go around thinking he can forgive people's sins? And he says, what's easier to say pick up your mat or to say your sins are forgiven. He says, so here, let me show you the son of the man has power. And he says, stand up, take your mat and walk. So he pops up and starts walking. But let me point out something here. This is a miracle. Yeah, he's healed from his paralyzation. But it's all from the key words in this are in verse 2. Seeing their faith. Their faith. The faith of the friends. That's really cool. That's the kind of friends I want, man. They have so much faith that when they bring me to bring the concerns of me, their friend, Jesus sees that and says, let me help and does something really cool. So do you have friends like that? I hope so. Because that's awesome. So then Jesus calls Matthew. He gets he goes by the tax collector's booth and he says, Matthew, I need you to come with me. And Matthew, you know, he's a tax collector. What's that mean? Jesus has a method and a way of relativism to bring people to him. And he can do it for anyone. Jesus has a plan for each of us. So when he goes with when he goes to Matthew's house, he you know because Matthew's all excited. Thank you, Lord. You you know he has this transformational moment where Jesus comes into his life, and he's radically changed for Jesus. Right. So he has Jesus over. Shows great hospitality. And he has Jesus over for a meal. So he's in there with his other tax collector buddies. And this is where it's really good because, you know, this is what church should be like. Church should be full of people who need Jesus. It's like a hospital for the sick, right? And on the outside looking in is all the churchy people looking and saying, well, why are these people here? And it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're like, why does your leader eat with such scum? And it's like, no, we can never look at the unchurched like that. We have to open our doors and and go invite them and have them come in because they need Jesus. They're people, they're souls, they're people in need of Jesus. And Jesus knew what they were saying. And he says, Learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices because they do they do all the rituals, but they don't have a merciful and humble and compassionate heart. And he knows this. And he says, because I've come to call those. I didn't come to call those who think they are righteous. I came for those who know they are sinners. Woo-wee. That's I love that verse, man. 
Jesus comes for those who are humble enough to say, I need you. And that was that was so me. Because I pushed him out of my life for so many years, and I finally said, Lord, I need you. Uh, and he was right there, man. And, and that's why I love that song by the, what, what do you call them, the, the, that one disciples group, come to the table. And it's like, oh, man, I love that. Because that's what it's about. We just got to come to the table, man, because he's waiting. And this is the table. He's sitting at a table with these guys that are all looking for the change in their life that's going to fulfill it. And if you ever see Deion Sanders, and I'm a sports freak, so you may not know who that is, but he has the most awesome testimony. He's a very successful sports figure, and he has a testimony of all the things he tried in life because he's, he's you know, sitting pretty good. But he admits that all the things he tried in life never filled the void until he found Jesus. And Jesus is the only answer. And and he has no issues telling people about that. So then Jesus, you know, has that. And then he's questioned by John the Baptist's uh, disciples on why his, fair, why his disciples don't... <laughs> fast like everyone else does and he says man let's not get caught up in the fasting thing they're all working with me wedding guests don't fast during the wedding come on let's do this and he goes into the whole thing about the wineskins because there's a new covenant about we don't put uh, no one puts new wine into old wine skins for the old skins would burst from the pressure spilling the wine and ruining the skins. No new wine is stored in new wine skins so they both are preserved. And it's basically saying, man, we're in a new covenant now. Come on, let's go. So he gets to the next couple miracles which are really cool and um the synagogue leader which will get named in others comes and says his daughter is dead, but she's really sick if we look at the other ones. She ends up being, he ends up being told she dies. And along the way, Jesus says, yeah, I'll go, I'll go heal her. And along the way, a lady with a bleeding disorder comes up and just wants to touch the hem of his garment because she's spent all her money for the last 12 years trying to find a remedy for this. And she touches his garment. And she's healed from her bleeding disorder instantly just from the touch of his garment. There's times, I think, where we just need to touch his garment, man. If we could just reach out and touch the fringe of his garment, we would feel better. But what's interesting is Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And I think there's times when the Lord puts a healing on us, and he wants us to steward that. And that's what he's wanting this lady to do. He knew who touched him. But he wants her to steward that. Hey, be a witness to the great things the Lord has done for you and tell people what he's done. Because when she admits she touched him, he's not angry with her. 
He just says, your faith has healed you, and she needs to be stewarding that. Tell people how great this is and steward it. You don't have to get detailed, but just be a witness to what the Messiah has done for you. And so when he, and think about this, the synagogue leader is still waiting to get his daughter healed, so he's probably anxious. But if if he really believes she's deceased, he's probably thinking dead is dead. That's what we say in the medical field. So when Jesus gets to the house, everybody's boohooing and moaning, and he says, the girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. Can you imagine that? And so they laugh at him, which makes this whole miracle even better. And so he goes in, and he takes the girl by the hand, and she stands up. So just another touch, two miracles with just touch, one the touch of his garment, one with the touch of his hand. And boom, it's all good. Man, is that it? Is that great or what? And I've missed the one earlier, which was with uh, Peter's mom. His mother-in-law had a fever, and that was with Jesus' touch, too, because he touched her and the fever left her. That was earlier, too. So there's three there with just the touch of his hand. So it's cool. So he gets done with that, and then there's two guys shouting, Son of David, Son of David, and they wanna, they, they're blind. And Jesus asks them, what do you want? And they go, we want to see. And he says, do you believe? And they said, we do. And he said, because of your faith, it will happen. And because they had faith, because they believed, when Jesus said, because of your faith, it will happen, instantly they could see. What if we approach the throne like that, with that kind of faith, that when we ask Jesus for something, it instantly took place? We're going to see later in Matthew where if we approach with that kind of faith, it can be done. I just think that's so cool. This stuff excites me, man, because it's so good. It's so good. All right, so... um, Jesus, here's what, we're in chapter 9, by the way. Here's what's really cool. My church, Compassion Church, which is my online entity, if you look in uh, Facebook, it's you have to search online entity, online.entity. Our whole thing for that is, Based on this scripture, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, And that's Matthew 9, verse 36. Jesus goes from town to town teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And in those towns, he healed all the people cast out demons and healed the people so jesus went around just being jesus what if we could go day to day doing what the song says speaking jesus and i don't mean being john the baptist repent 
and be born again. I'm not talking that. I'm just saying, doing like Jesus did, going and being Jesus to people. Because here's what's really cool. We get to chapter 10. Jesus gives his disciples the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. So you're given that authority. So if you're given that authority, why can't we go around just being Jesus? Because he tells them in this chapter that they're going out and he says, freely as you give as freely as you have received. So as freely as we get this blessing from Jesus, he wants us to give it out. So the gift you've given for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the gift of God for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ooh, ooh, ooh. If the gift is free, then we need to give it free. And it's like, we get that and we don't ever steward it. That's the lady with the bleeding disorder. When he turns around and says, who touched me? I healed you, now share that. That's the one person that he held accountable for her miracle. Because they're in a crowd and he wants her to voice what she just had happen to her. And in most of the healings, he says, now don't tell anybody because my time has not come. But that one time in front of all those people, he wants her to, to say, this happened to me. So why can't we go be there? But he warns them, hey, look, I'm sending you like your sheep out there amongst wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. You got to be smart because people are going to try to want to get you but here's this don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body they can't touch your soul Feel, fear only god who can destroy both soul and body and hell and that's something we got to take with us man in those places where we are persecuted persecuted like crazy because we got to remember don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body they can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, because everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me here on earth, I will also deny you before my Father in heaven. So I'm like, how many times do we deny Jesus because we don't take opportunities to share him every day. I mean, it's real. And then he talks about we got to take up our cross and follow him. That means every day we got to crucify on the cross the things that come between us and him. That means every day on the cross, we got to get rid of the things that are going to come between him. And we saw a really cool video the other day that says, what is coming between you and God? And it was just, it was really cool. 
And so then in John 11, or in Matthew 11, we get this really cool message from John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison because you know Herod doesn't like him. He's holding Herod accountable. And so he sends his disciples to ask the question. And here's the question that a lot of people will say. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? <laughs> and Jesus' response is really good because he says, hey, tell him that people are being healed, the blind are being made to see, the lame are walking. I mean, tell him the proof's in the pudding. Come on, you're seeing it. He's seeing it. Tell him not to doubt. Everything is good. Tell him everything he's seeing is for real. And tell him this. Here's the big kicker in this one. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And that's huge for us because sometimes we fall away because we can't take the peer pressure of being a Jesus follower. And Jesus is saying, don't let the peer pressure fall away. And he's seeing John doubt because he's in prison for what he's preaching about Jesus. And Jesus is saying, don't fall away. Don't question what you're about. You're for real. I'm for real. And just keep doing what you're doing because it all pays off in the end. So then Jesus goes into a real big dissertation about how great John is. And he closes this out with this really great thing about when we are tired. And I love this because he says, and this is for all of us that get weary, because obviously John the Baptist was weary. And he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In other words, if we cast all our fears, all our doubts, all our burdens on Jesus, he will give us rest. He will give us peace of mind. But the one thing we got to do is we really got to put it in his hands. We really got to bring it to him and then be assured that he has it. Because if we can't give it to him and trust in him, then what kind of faith is that? Because if we aren't going to trust him, then how are we supposed to help other people that we are trying to be a witness to believe like we believe what we say we believe? Because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. <laughs> That's so good. So he's going to take you in his arms and he's going to coddle you and he's going to help you through it just like your mom would do or your dad. Because my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. He's never going to give us more than we can handle. And that's huge. So if you're feeling weary today, go to Jesus and give it all to him and let him carry you through because he is able to just coddle you and help you 
feel like a new person. Just trust him because he will help you. Have the kind of faith that will be made sight with just believing like we've heard today. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior.